Welcome to the Glasgow Girls Club podcast, where we chat to inspirational folks throughout the city about living their best lives and encourage our listeners to grow and glow. This podcast is sponsored by Bonnie Affair. Bonnie Affair is an event company based in Glasgow which organises group activities for corporate team building days, hen and stag parties and birthday celebrations in Scotland. With over 30 activities to choose from, you can take part in outdoor pursuits, food and drink masterclasses, pampering days and craft classes. Bonnie Affair have been making headline news as they created a fun and unique class called Bling My Bits. These classes involve painting and decorating an erotic mould whilst educating the group on the importance of testicular, breast and cervical cancer. Their next event will be held at Versanta on June the 11th for Cervical Screening Awareness Week, where all proceeds go to Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust. For any event booking or to book tickets for the fundraiser, you can contact Bonnie Affair at info at bonnieaffair.co.uk. You can also visit the website at www.bonnieaffair.co.uk and follow them on Insta, Twitter and Facebook at Bonnie Affair. Bonnie Affair, saving you money, time and stress. Hello and welcome to the GGC podcast. My name is Laura McGuinness and every week I'm out and about in the city interviewing some inspirational folks for y'all. In this week's podcast, I catch up with TV presenter and journalist Jean Johansson. Trailblazing a massively successful career in media, Jean has worked on the Disney Channel, STV and CBBC before reporting on top BBC shows including The One Show, Landward and Animal Park, with her most recent gig being A Place in the Sun. And that's not to mention her feature as a contestant on last year's Celebrity Masterchef. Married to football player turned coach Jonathan Johansson and mum to son Junior, Jean talks openly about her life as a wag, about her fight to reignite her career after becoming a mum, of balance when it comes to her career and her life as a mum and what life on set as a TV presenter is truly like. I absolutely loved recording this podcast and know you're going to feel super inspired and empowered on hearing it. My fave quote from Jean from the podcast, you can't sit and wait for the phone to ring and for work to fall in your lap. Just go out and do it yourself. Have a listen. So hello Jean Johansson. Hi Laura, how are you? I'm good, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I've been waiting to do this for ages. I've been wanting to have you on for so long, so delighted we finally made it. So Jean, let's start from the top because you have got a glittering career, past, present and future. You're a mum. Mm-hmm. You've also been a wag, I really like to say. I really like to say. <laughs> yeah, I've reclaimed that word, by the yes, way. Yes, it's okay. now uh, women achieving greatness. So, yes, I am oh, a wag. I love that. <laughs> okay, so you are, right? Great. So, we go back to the kind of beginning of when you first started in your career and mm-hmm. met Jonathan. Yeah. Is that the right pronunciation? J- call him JJ. JJ <laughs> met JJ. Okay, let's start from the top. Uh, so yeah, do you know it's going to be twenty years this year since I got my first job in telly. Oh my! How crazy! Did you look twenty? <laughs> I can't believe it. So that's it. All started at Queen Margaret Drive at BBC Scotland. Okay. Um, there was B- uh, Blue Peter was coming off the air for the summer. Which okay. Was the first time Blue Peter had ever came off there, so it was a big deal, and um, CBBC wanted to replace it with a show that was completely different from Blue Peter. They wanted these six teenagers from all over the UK to just like run about the streets being <laughs> mental, basically. Right. And I was cast as one of those kids on the show. Um, and that show was, was really quite successful. And back in the day, it was like getting 3.2 million viewers, which 
you just wouldn't get today unless you were a big prime time TV show. That's, and, a, that's massive. Yeah, well, those were the days when you come in from school and you sat and watched CBBC. So yes. The good old days in telly. So it was a really successful show and a great springboard. And I just sort of luckily have have kept a, a relationship with the BBC that since then, I suppose, on and off. So I started my career in children's TV. That led to me um, moving to London. I worked for the Disney Channel for years, which was... Which is the dream. Amazing, yeah, a dream. I, the, you know, a big brand, Disney is Disney. You know, I spent years doing live TV shows, chatting to pop bands, flying to LA to go behind the scenes of their animations and movies. Um, it was a dream job. And I, I, I sort of grew up on screen with the Disney Channel, I yep. made some of my best friends who are still still in my life today. So that was great. And then I sort of stayed in children's for about 10 years. It was hard for me to get out of children's. Okay. But just because I was young and bubbly and really young looking. Yes. And it was a good, just a good place for me to be. That format suited me, you know, okay. just chatting to people and, you know, doing videos with S Club 7 and Blue and Atomic Kitten. And oh, I just loved amazing. it. Amazing. But then you, you grow older and I could see my contemporaries like Holly Willoughby and Fern Cotton and yep. Jake Humphrey all kind of moving out of kids and getting other opportunities. And I just wasn't. Around that same time, um, Jonathan had got moved to Sweden, football team in Sweden, and okay. I moved with him. So you had met, you had met already at this point. You'd been together. I'd for a met while. Jonathan before I got my first job. Right. Okay. Oh, so he dropped me at my audition at Queen Margaret Drive at BBC Scotland. <laughs> he was like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Oh, it's this TV thing. They're looking for a TV presenter." So Jonathan's been there from the beginning. Yeah. So he was luckily when I was sort of moving to the Disney Channel, he was also signing for Cheltenham Athletic. So he left Rangers and we moved to London the same year together, obviously. Brilliant. And um, had a great 10 years in London. He was playing football and I was working in telly and everything was just great. And then he got moved to Sweden and I sort of had a, a massive break in my career. It was just too hard to commute yeah, oh, yeah. back and forth. And that was, that was quite a tough period because I was living in a country where I didn't, for the first time, I didn't have a network, didn't have group girlfriends. wasn't easy to make one, bizarrely for me, because I'm usually, like, can land somewhere, find my tribe, and, yeah. and, and yeah. go and have my people, and I never quite got to grips with life in Sweden. I'm not sure why. I think it must be connected to the weather and different yeah. social, you know, patterns of different people in different countries, I suppose. Um, so how long were you there for? Two years. That's two long, long years. Yeah, to feel like that for two so years. So I'd gone from leaving the house every day to go to my work, going out clubbing in Soho at night, at night having this amazing social life in London, yeah. to kind of sitting waiting for Jonathan coming home from training and making his dinner and... And that's just not oh. you. That's, I know that. <laughs> That is just, yeah, that's tough. It's like a twilight zone. Actually, I think I've got a bit of PTSD from that time because I've (laughs) completely blanked it out. I can hardly tell you anything about those years in Sweden because it just felt like getting up, sitting about, waiting for Jonathan to come in and, you know, being a housewife almost, which... Just you as know me, Laura, it's not Oh, absolutely. No, no way. So after those two years, I kind of rebelled and went nuts and <laughs> came back. Went back to London on my own okay. and um, did a bit of acting. Yep. I was a bit lost at that time. Sort of telly was changing. It was all turning into reality. 
Yeah. And um, all the shows that were being cast were reality shows and TV presenters were kind of becoming a thing of the past. And I thought, all right, I'll be an actress. <laughs> so I did acting for a little while and then, yeah, I was a bit lost at that point. Did you enjoy acting? Uh, too too difficult for me. Had I, had I have done acting at 18, yeah, I'd be sat with an Oscar by now. Oh, yes, You know, I think yes. they have to get you when you're young and it's a real craft and a skill. And I was a mature student when I went back to, to drama school, so I was like 28 by that point. I was such a formed person. Yes. It was too hard for me to take on roles and other personas and all that stuff that you do in acting. Um, but I did decide to go back to school. I went back and got my uh, postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism. Brilliant. I've always written, I've always liked journalism and media, so I did that, which led to me going to the newsroom in STV. Brilliant. As a weather girl, which was great. That was a perfect role for me, you know, smiley, live, bubbly, tell people what's happening <laughs> um, weather-wise. But it had its own challenges, you know, it was hard to be in a newsroom, which is quite a serious environment. Yes. I'd always been in uh, live studios with pop bands and, you know, thrown to cartoons and TV programmes from America. And then I was in a newsroom, which was... Quite you know, corporate and quite, yeah, yeah just everybody, exact opposite, everybody really. had to get their head down, you know, it's the news, it's serious. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed the role of Weather Girl, but I found it really challenging and difficult. I never quite got to grips with it. Um, also fell pregnant at that time, which was planned. At the same time, Jonathan was sort of leaving Sweden. Okay. Uh, he moved to Hibs in Edinburgh. So we had a little flat in Edinburgh, which was fab. It was nice to be back in Scotland and it Lovely. gave me time to sort of find find my feet being back here. And, um, and then, yeah, got pregnant, which led to like a four-year break in my career. Quite right. Yeah, well, it was good for the first year. Okay. I enjoyed the first year being at home with this little baby. Second year, yeah, I enjoyed it, but sort of thought, I'll be back at work next year. Yeah. Start in early years and then I'll go back to work. And then third year, still the phone wasn't ringing. People weren't replying emails. It was as if the past sort of 10 years had counted for nothing. That's so destroying, isn't it? Was, it? Like you've it worked was, so hard. Laura, it was so destroying being sat here sending out headshots, showreels, trying to convince people of everything that I'd done and that lasted till so I had junior in two thousand and ten. Two thousand and fourteen the Commonwealth Games were coming to Glasgow. Okay. And I thought, right, went out and got my own crew and just started filming stuff on the streets. Like, I want to mark this moment. So it was like, here's the village that's being built and here's where this event will take place. And Jean, that's amazing. It's a lesson to anyone. You can't sit and wait for the phone to ring and work to fall in your lap. I just did it myself. And then did you just basically take your clips and take them yeah, to the phone? Yeah, take my clips to the one show. And thank God, yeah, they started using me. So literally, they, like, you, yeah. they took it to the top. I, why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Because I, I had that sort of mixture of news. I'd gone back yep. and got my broadcast journalism. It was almost like me coming back and going, I'm not that squeaky, clean TV presenter anymore. I'm a mum and I'm married now and I'm older and I've got stuff to say. Yep. So I thought, why not go to the one show? And I think they could sort of see my determination. They felt it in my meetings no. and I just said I can be ears on the ground for you for, for stuff going on in Scotland and I'd love to cover stuff for you and... That really marked the beginning of my career, getting back on track. 
Brilliant. You know, the one show led to Animal Park, um, which led to what I'm doing now, a place in the sun. Well, I mean, like, like it's just it's phenomenal, isn't it? Oh. So let's chat about because you we've spoken about Animal Park before, and I think you've got some really funny stories because obviously we talk about faking it to make it, and yeah. So talk to us about some. Well, the thing is, you have to. So in this business, you do have to fake it to make it, and I I couldn't pretend that I was an animal expert, and I had a lot of fears and phobias, and I'll never forget after telling the exec producer that I'm really cool with animals and you know I can really get on their level and <laughs> I love being around them and they were like okay so week one you're going to be working with a Chilean, Chilean rose tarantula and you can actually oh. see in the footage I'm smiling but I'm sweating Laura oh. there's like beads of sweat coming down my face I'm just so nervy and terrified and scared but actually I think the viewers have quite liked that yeah so it's it's my so real. I could have tried to style it out and, and pretend I wasn't scared, but who wouldn't be scared with a tarantula in their hands? Oh my God, I know. So yeah, I've, I've started off on series one of Animal Park just being terrified the whole time and now I'm doing series six and I can't wait to get back with my animals. Uh, oh, amazing. It's so just made me such an animal person and I love being around them. All of them from the gorillas to elephants, zebras to billy goats I'm just a real animal person that's so good it just shows you when you face your fears and then you've overcame them completely with, like, massive effect the worst was a snake like who we all sort of hate snakes and then they were like he, they don't have time for me to freak out on the set no. or you go, he, not oh, be able to do it i was given the job <laughs> to just do it so you know they put a, a six foot boa constrictor around my neck and um you just had to go with it and actually just fell in love with it. She was so calm and peaceful and just like going about her business. I was like, take your time. Let's get the information about her. Let's tell people what these animals are like. And oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I love, love it. That. I, I really love that show. There's something really magical and special about being around all those animals. Like, I just love it. Yeah, something quite spiritual about it. Yeah, what's, there is. What's filming like for you then? So when you do Animal Park, what's it like to be like on set and, and what's the kind of process for Being it? on set is my thing you know those four years when I wasn't working that's what I missed the most okay I don't know how it will sound to your listeners but I love being mic'd up I love having my makeup done I love being part of that gang that group brilliant you know because my first job back then when I was put with this gang of presenters you just you're just a little gang and every crew and every production that's what you become and you all become quite close so being on Animal Park is great because we film it at Longleat okay. Estate, which is beautiful. Um, this beautiful old house with grounds, safari parks there. So I sort of go down and live in a pub on the grounds, okay. which is great. You know all the staff, amazing. you know the food's amazing. And we just work really, really hard during the day. Yep. We're really good friends with all the keepers down there. They make the show. We couldn't do the show without them. Um, and we work hard and then we play hard. We rap and we hit the pub and we have a few drinks and then we get up and, you know, do the hard work again. Brilliant. So it's the, it's the way I like to work and it's, it's the same on A Place in the Sun. You know, we turn up, we have drinks and dinner with the house hunters on a Sunday night. Okay. Just to put them at ease and find out about them yep. off camera. And then Monday morning we get up and we just go for it. And then again after we wrap, we'll have dinner together. It's just a real sociable yeah, thing. Yeah, that is a real sociable. That's yeah. really lovely. And that's how I love to work. Yeah, no good. And so how like so you've got your house buyers placing the sun. Then 
How long are you filming? Like, so what looks to us like just one day. Yeah, that's How long are you six fil- days. Yeah. That's a, that's a lengthy process, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lengthy, but it's, it's, that's why it's a good quality show. It is. Proper big crew, we've got a sound man, a cameraman, a director. I mean, you don't get that anymore. A lot of things are self-shot by one person. Okay. So um, it's quite a big production. And um, yeah, it takes a lot of time because it's thorough and these people are going to buy a house. So Uh it's not give them a quick look around for five minutes. They get to spend half a day in each property. Ah, that's good. Yeah, it's a huge thing that they're going to do. So it's not about making, just making the TV show. It's about them. That's the viewing for them. Yeah. So we have to do that properly oh absolutely um and also show them around the area and there's yeah. a lot of stuff we do with them that we don't show on camera but they've they have spent a week on location so by the end of the show they've got a good idea whether they want to buy or not so it's very authentic yeah oh it definitely comes across like that as yeah. well and for you as well a new challenge because totally it's now property that you're into yeah. and you're in you're doing it in roasting heat so yeah. that must be like almost like a total 180 from Animal Park. Yeah, yeah. Animal Park can be like frozen ground. I'm wrapped up. I've got heat pads in my pocket. around you. It's dark. The snakes and tarantulas everywhere. And it's, you know, it can be rainy down there and it can be quite miserable, you know, weather-wise. Yeah. To just being in Spain, you know, where the the sun's always shining. So even though it's long days and it's hard, the sun just makes it better. absolutely. So, yeah, you know... That it can be a bit hot and it can get to you, but then you always just remember here, you know, look what we're doing. We would be, for our house hunters, they would, might be in their normal job on a Monday or a Wednesday afternoon and we're all here in Spain and we're just having fun. There's a lot of fun mm, on that show. That's good. And it's been good to bring, you know, all the times I've moved with Jonathan. We've lived in, oh God, so we left Glasgow, moved to London, went to Norwich, then went to Sweden I went to Finland for a while, back to Edinburgh. We've lived in all these places and each time I've had a big hand in finding us the property. Okay. Sometimes renovating it, sometimes doing the interior design. Yep. Um, and just knowing the pitfalls and trying to match the right people to the right properties is something I wish that I, I had had access to a person like that all the times I'd moved. Okay. You know, that we'd just be able to land somewhere and someone would go, oh, Jean, I know everything about you. I know your life story. I know what you want. And here it is. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> but I never had that person. So I'm happy to now be that to person. To be that person. For people that are, you know, looking for that new life abroad. Brilliant. And so when you're filming then, is it so do you do a week and then come home? And yes. then do a week and yeah. then come home? It's like not even that often. I've got about 15 shows this year, so that's 15 weeks away and they'll be spread over the year. So it's a, it's a really good show for being a mum. And oh. they're really conscious of that. The other presenters sometimes take, take their kids on the shoot. Brilliant. You can have your nanny on the shoot or your caregiver and um, there's a lot of women in charge at a place in the sun and you can tell. That must make a difference. Yeah, yep. because it's uh, you're encouraged to just be happy as a mum. Oh, that's so and Which is really, really important. I think that's the way the kind of everything's going now, isn't it? More flexibility mm-hmm. and as it should be. So talk to us about being a mum. Like, do you ever feel you're away do you ever long for home of or... course of course you do it just last month or january junior had his uh, burns recital oh and i'd been here with him i was learning these words and learning and learning and then he was so it was all building up to this big day in school and of course i couldn't be there so i'm sat in spain just like oh 
God, getting videos and, and pictures from his dad and you feel really bad. Because those are pivotal things, you know. When, and when you look up, when you're small and you look out in the audience, your mum or your dad's not there. So you miss stuff and I, I don't think there's any woman that sits and goes, oh, I've got the balance perfect. Okay. You, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, there's, there's loads of times when I'm away and I wish I could be here and it's just been a working mum and you just have yeah. to deal with it. But that's what's so good about you, I think. Like you're so you're so driven, but you're also obviously such a great mum as well. It's definitely as much as the balance, like that's obviously very honest of you, but you definitely you do get I think you do from an outsider's position, you get it right. I don't know if you ever get it right. But I'm quite selfish and I remember if before I became a mum, a friend said to me, You have to be a selfish mum. I think you're working mum, you do have to be a selfish mum. Yeah. You just do, otherwise you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't do it. <laughs> and Yeah, you wouldn't, well that's I, I have to work, I felt uh, so trapped when I was just here with, 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 it just wasn't enough for me being, being at home. Yeah. Um, and just not doing anything. And I've got loads of girlfriends that don't work and they're fabulous and that's great if, that's what makes you happy. You find your happiness. But um, yeah, I just I just wasn't happy. So it's something I'm constantly working on. I have gotten better at saying no. Okay. Which is um, hard. Yeah, which is hard, which is the hardest mm-hmm. thing to do. And, you know, we're here now, we're, we're an hour outside Glasgow. So for me to put makeup on and a pair of heels and actually leave the comfort of my own home. Yes. It has to be something that I support and yeah. believe in. Or I have to be getting paid. Of course. That's my new thing. And I said to my agent, this year I'm not going to come to London unless I'm getting paid. And oh, good. probably sounds quite harsh. No, it doesn't because that's the kind an even of, bigger travel. The kind of the meetings and the, you know, the coffees and the schmoozing. I, I, I just can't, I just don't need to be away from junior for that. So if yeah. I'm coming down to London, it's because I'm working or I'm getting paid for it. And yeah, going up to Glasgow, it might look as if I'm out a lot. If I'm out, I'm supporting a friend. Yeah. I'm not there because there's an envelope being opened. It's yeah. Because that's my girlfriend's salon or that's my yes. friend's launch night. Yeah. Or so there might be people from social media that think I'm out all the time, but if I am out, I'm there for a good reason. But I also think as well, social media is really because people say that to me a lot, like, "Oh, you're yeah. you're everywhere," and I'm like, actually, the past few while I've not been, but it's probably just because when you've gone on social media, I've maybe been somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So it's just. So, yeah. like, people get misconceptions from social people media. People say that to me all the time. Oh, you're always out, you're never in. And also, you never know the full story. I remember being criticised by a stranger on Twitter because she'd seen me out three nights in a row. And right. I, I happened to be out three nights in a row that week. But what she didn't say was talking to the Thursday night. I, I went to drop Junior at football training, waited for him, dropped him at the sisters, yep. came to the event went and got them from my sister, then came home. You don't see that. No. Oh, why would I tweet about that, you know? No, I know. Or Jonathan and I went, you were there, the opening of So LA again. Yeah. Jonathan and I drove to Glasgow, dropped my sister who lives in Glasgow for two hours, came, had the dinner, supported my friend's restaurant, yeah. then picked Junior up and got home. It's not like, he, I know. you know, it's, I know. it only tells half the picture. So, But I am working on not going out as much, but what I do really like is support my friends and if they've got something exciting going on of course I'm going to be there and you know Junior's getting older now so more and more I am taking him with me. Ah brilliant. Yeah there's no reason why not if I'm popping in somewhere for an hour Junior can come along he's he's getting to that age now. He's so gorgeous (laughs) he's so gorgeous. What about are you thinking about any more? 
Oh, that's a million dollar question, Laura. My career is the best it's ever been. Yep. And the sad and honest truth is, if I have a baby, I'll have to take at least a year out, you know, for the end of the pregnancy. And then I just, I'm just not sure whether I'm willing to do that at the moment. Yep. But I also don't want to sit in my 40s and, and know that I gave up the chance for another baby just for you know tv work that seems quite sad and shallow to me so honestly right now it's something that i'm sitting and thinking with yes i'm also fiercely independent yes i just get up and go i always have and when junior was small that independence was yanked away from me yeah and i couldn't go away anymore i couldn't just do my own thing when i wanted and that was really hard for me psychologically like mentally Uh, to deal with I I spoke to quite a few, even some of my friends, and they've gone through the exact same thing, and it's like they've lost their... Because they're not doing what they love, not to say that they don't love being a mum, but they're not doing what they love, they feel like they lose their sense of self. Yes. Which is really bad for for your... Yeah, you do. Yeah. But that does happen, and you lose your purpose as well. And I don't want that to happen to me again. Yeah. I feel really lucky, we're really blessed, we've got a healthy healthy son and, and we've got a really good life in terms of me and Jonathan can both work and both balance our time with him and another baby would throw that up in the air but I, I, I love children and I will have more children whether yeah. it's biologically fostering and adopting is something me oh, and Jonathan lovely. really want to do brilliant but I've got loads of time for that so yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. exactly no that's brilliant so you and JJ yep so what so you met did you meet Tell us a story because you told me that I love this yeah, story. Yeah, so I was, I was still in high school and sort of modelling part-time. Yeah. And I had a job at a golf club in Langbank. Okay. And Jonathan used to play golf in there. We had footballers in all the time. So we had like Alan McCoy, the Ninja, all the Rangers players. And we, they were all great with us. They were all married. Yep. We would do whatever we could to get tips off them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was really their purpose. It was never like, oh, there's Alan McCoy, so I want a date with them. It was like, right, the footballs are in. Get our tips Let's tonight. Get so the money jar up. So we can get up the turn on Saturday. <laughs> that is honestly the way we saw them. All lovely guys. But Jonathan just seemed to be like um quiet, kept yep. himself to, was often up there alone, which I okay. just thought was just felt so sorry for him at times. Um and just seemed like a really, really nice guy. Yep. So we sort of chatted and knew each other from from the golf club and then one night we went out and he was there and it was like he took on this whole new persona he'd like had a drink and he was dead chatty and I was like oh <laughs> you're different I'm sitting in the corner in the golf club and yeah we just started dating from there and it was really innocent and and fun and I'd never met anyone like him before you know he was foreign and <laughs> he was a bit weird and quiet and I was just dead outgoing and wild but somehow it just worked. Yeah. And we're here like 20 years later. That is phenomenal. That is. And so what was it? Was Jonathan working for Rangers at the yeah, time? Yeah, Jonathan was playing for Rangers. And it was a great time at Rangers. They were playing in Europe. Felt yeah. like almost every week. The team was, was brilliant. The yeah. guys that he played with were just amazing. They were winning titles and cups all the time. All the it time. was just like, it was, it was just a really good time. And we socialised together all the time as well. Okay. So it was really weird because I went from sort of sitting in my, my high school common room with pictures of Alan McCoyst on the wall. Yeah. With Charlie Miller. You know when you yeah. covered your jotters with posters? Yeah. Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. You used to cover all your folders with posters. Like my school was ranger staff. And then 
months later I was out clubbing with them and eating at dinner parties in their houses and <laughs> calling them friends. It was bizarre. Yeah, it's been quite totally bizarre. Totally weird. I remember one night singing Angels by Robbie Williams on a karaoke with Ali McCoyce and just like, if my friends could see me now. <laughs> it was one of those moments. It was a better singer. Oh, he's a brilliant singer. Oh, is he? Oh, my God, yeah. He's yeah. a really good singer. <laughs> That's a wee exclusive. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a great... I've only got really good memories of Rangers. I was, like, 18. We're running about a tune and just having fun. I don't remember there being a lot of trouble. There was no social media. That, made, that would That's have made a the difference. Joy. Yeah. There was no social media, you know. We just felt like a wee gang of sort of players and their wives and girlfriends yeah. who went out for dinner all the time, loads of drinks, parties in each other's houses, and it was just a really fun time. I only remember it with fond memories. The girls were really nice as well. Brilliant. You know... Um, there was no, like, competition, if you like, no, between the... No, there wasn't. Good. No, I sort of had my own thing going on. I was a bit of a girl about town already. Yep. Um, so I didn't need to go in and make friends, you know, where there was girls from Italy... And Russia, uh, it was a very international team, and there was a lot of Dutch players. And I was a good person to sort of go, oh, where do you want to get your nails done? And yeah. I can help you out. And there wasn't, there, I don't remember there being a lot of bitchiness. It was just, you're in such a privileged position, there wasn't much to moan about. Yeah. Not from my perspective, you know. Yep. It was all about going to the football on a Saturday, supporting your man, you know, having a bit of extra cash to do what you want, really, is the truth of it. And just oh. having a nice life, so... Yeah, yeah there kinda... wasn't social media, there wasn't trolls, there oh, wasn't God, haters. Yeah. Well, they were, they existed, but they couldn't get to you. Uh, if yes. I met Jonathan and was 18 now, oh my God, the trouble I would be in, I can only imagine. <laughs> You'd be taking people the on. media <laughs> storms I would be involved in. So it was a good time. Social media has changed everything. Oh, everything. Yeah. Life as we know it. And you're right, like, so that, that would have protected you from a lot, because obviously trolls are just jealous. They're just jealous people that are not happy with their life. So I can imagine that, like, wives and girlfriends who are in a privileged position mm-hmm. would be probably targeted because people might be jealous that they have to do their own thing. And nobody know who their wives and girlfriends were. Yeah, exactly. I sort of, people sort of started knowing me because I was modelling a bit and then I got the TV job, but nobody, now, now, now all these, wives and girlfriends have got their own personas and their own their Instagrams own and their own profiles. Yeah. You wouldn't know the name of Barry Ferguson's girlfriend, why would you? No. any social media. Exactly. So it was a safe space. Things changed a bit when we moved to London because Jonathan was then pl- playing in the Premiership. Yeah. And the TV show Footballer's Wives came out. Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how much that changed the whole perception Right, For me, okay, it was so like overnight, that. people were thinking that my life was like the life of these totally outrageous <laughs> characters. Do you remember Footballers' Wives? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, they thought that we lived like these characters, Chardonnay and whatever they were yep. called. And it, and then after that came the word wag. Just, yes. So it changed everything. Footballers' Wife just became this negative thing, lots of negative connotations attached to it and it actually rather than helping my career back then probably got in the way of it a bit oh right okay um so that made me sort of want to swerve it and distance myself from it but now looking back on it what a great time you know it was fun it was a fun phenomenon yeah. I had girlfriends going away with the England and having photographers following them everywhere and 
you know, Victoria Beckham and, and Cheryl Tweedy were out, you know, in their cowboy boots and hot pants and it, having photographers follow them everywhere. And it was like a phenomenon. It was a thing it was. at the time. And it, it was. It was fun. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's died down a bit again now. I'm not sure, has yeah, it? Yeah, no, I would, to- I would agree with you, yeah, I think. But I think, like you said, then there are profiles on social media so it's very easy to access yeah but no I think you're right I think it's but what I admire about you is you always had your own thing going on yeah whereas maybe some of the other ladies don't so much yeah so and I do I always think it's really important to have something your yourself yeah, you have to have yeah. something you know what no matter you know who you are you have to have something like my life is just so completely separate from Jonathan's. We've got two yep. independent careers and I'm really proud of him. I'm happy to talk about him and his achievements and but I've got my own stuff going on. Oh, you've and so I've much. had loads of girlfriends from the footballing world who have never worked. Yep. And I don't judge them either. They want to spend money and sit at home all day and be fabulous. That's fine. I, I don't know, want brilliant. anybody saying anything negative about them because you've never walked in somebody else's shoes. Very true. But for me, I've always had my own thing going on, and Jonathan knows that, and that's the way I've been since day one. Oh no, <laughs> quite. I know, quite, quite bloody right. And what about then when you both when Jonathan went back to Rangers? Then how was it for you oh, it was, at that point? It was such a lovely sort of life going full circle moment. Aha! Uh-huh, it must have been. I remember sitting in the stands watching him play in these big European games and simply the best would come on, the stadium would be full and I would just be like, oh my God, my boyfriend plays for Rangers. So going back to the same stadium with some of the same people that yes. worked there all those years ago, like give me a big hug and being like, we haven't seen you for 20 years and sitting with my son, our son. Oh, it's And lovely. hearing that simply the best again, I was like, oh no, I'm going to cry. Oh. <laughs> it was so amazing to be back at Ibrooks. It was a really, really special. It's got a really, really special place in my heart. Rangers and and Ibrooks. I will always love that club and, and the team and Walter Smith. I just Oh and I wish Stephen Gerrard all the best. I was devastated for Jonathan when a new regime came in and, mm-hmm. and he left, but it was all on good terms. Um, and he's still got a great working relationship with Rangers and I, I think he's going to be back there one day I don't know how and in what capacity but I think he'll be back there and he's got a connection with Rangers and um, I'd love to see him back there one day oh absolutely I think everybody would or cause... maybe Junior oh yeah <laughs> you know because he's in his football he's in his football yeah, oh there you yeah. go do you know what I loved as well because my husband is also a very big Rangers mm-hmm. man and he loved you on Twitter like, see, during the game, like, your support <laughs> that you showed, it was like, do you know, on yourself, Jean, because you would like But it gets me into trouble. <laughs> only because I hate lies. If I know, yeah. There's, yeah. If, if there's something going around on Twitter that I know from my own two eyes not to be true, I can't let it slide. <laughs> I cannot sit. And my friends would sit with me and go and, and say, just put your phone away, Jean. I'd be like, no. He said this, and it's not true. That's not what. I, and I never, I've never talked about um the ins and outs, Rangers or behind the scenes yeah. or closed door stuff. I would never ever betray Jonathan's confidence. But just silly things like those two had a fight in, in training today, and I'd go, no, they didn't. Yeah. I just spoke to Jonathan, <laughs> and tra- he had a good session, and then daily record, Jean says, oh. <laughs> so I've actually stopped doing that. Jonathan's banned me from just. <laughs> 
commenting <laughs> on football. But it's because you're so stop. fiercely loyal, though, which is oh, so fiercely loyal. To if, if you're a friend of mine <laughs> or my family, yeah, that. But then the scorpion in me comes out because I'm not. I don't like confrontation, and I get panicked when I tweet something that has a big reaction. That makes me panic. I'm not looking for that. Hats off to people who say something provocative and wait for a response wait all. Uh-huh. and fight and argue and debate. That's not what I want from Twitter. You'll so say actually, something and like, shit. I'll say something <laughs> and then if I see a newspaper's picked it up or it's caused a big debate, I get panicked. Oh, uh, okay, So I just okay. need to think and think again before I tweet something. And I've had to learn that. Jonathan's now the manager at Morton and I was trying to defend things... Uh, a couple of months ago and just realised there's no point and uh-huh. that's that's stay in my lane I, you know that's Jonathan's stuff and there's no point in me trying to I will always defend my husband of so course you will of course you will so that it must no point be so doing it. it's so hard it's it is so hard, hard and you get spoken to on social media like in ways that you would never be spoken to in real life like men saying shut your mouth shut the f up you know I get know. back in the kitchen do people, I, I do guys just say never that? be spoken to like that. No. So when people speak to me like that on Twitter, it be, the poor Glasgow girl comes oh. out and I just rage. But there's no point. Oh, I know. But you know what? See, these guys that will say that, or girls, whoever it is, trolls, they would never, they're the types of people that wouldn't say it to your face. So I'm just like, do you know what? Like, if you don't say anything online that you wouldn't say to someone's no. face because no. you're just. But anyway, so. You come from a big family. Yeah, I do. Yeah, do I've got uh, six brothers and sisters. Which yeah, is... I'm one of seven. <laughs> which is amazing. How is that? Yeah, amazing. Um, it's It was amazing. I think it's um, it's taught me I can deal with anybody or anything or any situation. I grew up, you know, with eight other different personalities in the house. Yes. So I've seen it all. <laughs> I can deal with all different types of energies and personalities and that's served me well in my career. Oh, I bet it has. Um, and they so, all live yeah. close. We are. We're all close by. One sister travels a lot, but we're all kind of close by and our kids are close and... Yeah, it's a great thing, yeah. uh, growing up in a big family, uh, and I thought that I would have one too, but um, I thought you'd just pop kids out, because that's what my mum did, but uh, no, it's Your mum's beautiful, seeing <laughs> your mum at events, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing, and um, hats off to people that have more than one child, because having one is, is a big enough job yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, so what's the dream What's your dream? Because you're always so, you're living as such an amazing. But what what's next for you? Who knows what's next? You know, I I feel like I'm I'm living a lot of my dreams. I have to sit down and stop and just take I love it that. in. You know, Master Chef, Celebrity Master Chef last year was to be on a flagship show with millions of viewers. That so loved was huge how did you feel when that came in because you were so likable and so good on the show like how did I was happy but, but people kept saying oh you came across really well but it's like that's who I am it's not yeah you're not like the way I try to come across <laughs> that's I'm always laughing you're not acting in it I'm always laughing I always surround myself with people that make me laugh so I'm always laughing I'm always looking for the joke or being around funny person yes. or and I think that came across on the show. I, I laughed a lot on MasterChef. And you see, I'm smiling in every scene because I'm yep. just happy to be there. Um, so that was an amazing experience. It was good to go off the script and just be myself. Oh, absolutely. And you're actually so pressured. Oh, it was like... so much pressure. It's terrifying. <laughs> absolutely terrifying. 
like the morning of I um I was in the toilet and I thought I need to cry just to release the tension and yeah. and then I thought actually I'm not going to perform a brain surgery. This is a TV show, so go and have fun with it. But yeah, it was pretty pressure with John and Greg there. Uh-huh. And what you don't see is the hundreds of cameras that are there picking everything up. Because there are lots. Lots of cameras. Uh, and just being uh, filmed and talking at the same time and cooking at the same time and remembering what you're doing. And it's very layered. Um, but I loved it. And I made a really good friend in John Partridge as well. I adore him. So, brilliant. Yeah, that whole celebrity thing was a bit weird. But I, I'd like to do more stuff like that, I think. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> what would you do if the jungle came? I'd love to do the jungle. Uh, you'd be so good yeah, in the I'd jungle. Yeah, I'd love to do it because I just think it would jumping out planes eating bugs camping anybody that knows me knows all those things are out of my comfort zone i'd be fine with the animals the rats and the snakes yeah that's good yeah um it's the personalities i don't know i'm Mm. a bit i don't like seeing people being wronged and i don't like Mm -hmm. bullying no i get on with everyone in general but sometimes i watch these shows and think why is she not saying that's wrong or why are they letting them i would be the person going that's not right. Stop doing that. But that's why you would be the best. Because <laughs> I, I, I do sometimes, I watch them and I'm like, why is that yeah, happening? Yeah, or, I don't But like that's that. why they need you. I don't like, and you get cast on your personality and I'm never going to be the one fighting or backstabbing or I'm going to be the one laughing and, um, you know, would be attracted to the more comedy characters. But I'd love to do a challenge yeah, I'd love to do that, yeah. a show like that. So, you know, the way my industry's going, it's great. I've got a lot of work as a presenter, but to keep the profile up and to just keep moving in an upward direction, you have to stop and do the Celebrity MasterChef or Shirley yes. or um, I'm a Celebrity. So, so a show, if a show like that comes up for me, I will jump on it with both, you know. Oh, I think it absolutely will. I actually had a dream about you being in the jungle, oh, which is you? very strange. Oh, I wonder if that's a premonition. Um, but I know I had, and I was like, oh, Jean's definitely going to be on that. Yeah, I hope I so. Hope so. so tell me about Glasgow Girls Club. How is it going? Because oh, I've been here since the since it was just a yeah, thought know, in your head, I and know. now we're here recording a podcast. It's going good. Yeah. Thank you, Jean. No, it's going really good. I love, I love women. Mm-hmm. So anything Two. that I can do, I know you're maybe girls, girls. So for me, these podcasts are great because I'm actually really nosy. So me see, just too, sitting yeah. chatting away and I'm like, <laughs> right, next, what else? Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. I love that. And then the community's getting bigger and there's so much support in the community mm-hmm. and the membership is hopefully just going to grow and grow and grow. So, and I have to obviously thank you because you're a member and you show me so much support you're I'm my celebrity so member, member. <laughs> yeah and I like when your members connect with me and I've said it when I've met them like I'm always here for a dm or an instagram message or people that want to you know film things or want a bit of advice on broadcasting or presenting or just making their own content which is I've always said like I'm I'm here for anyone that ever wants advice and that's so lovely of you you actually give you've given me so much advice over the years which has helped me and also we've not spoke about yet but your column yeah that's been brilliant you've had a couple you featured me in that which was like outstanding because even I was in Sri Lanka and I seen that I was like Leela because my mum was like you need to see that sent me a picture but no do you love your column? I love my column I love more than the telly work I love it when people come up and say they've read my column 
Okay. Or they love my column. And it's it's like this will happen for you with these podcasts in Glasgow Girls Club in that I started off sort of talking about things that I thought people wanted me to talk about. Okay. So I was like reviewing mascaras and yep. I was at this amazing party last night and now it's evolved into something where I just say what I'm thinking that week. So if there's been a big news story, political or something that's really touched me, I'll talk about yeah. it. Just it's just gotten a bit more real and I speak from my own voice and people really like it. Oh absolutely. So You're it's so evolved authentic. into something that I'm I'm really quite proud of and I really love my Sunday Mail column and I've got great editor that lets me I mean I've covered subjects that you would just never see in tabloids like diversity and colorism and racism and LGBT activism and they they have never had a story not allowed in. See, that's so good. It's like giving yeah. vo- a voice to the different communities and different people that need it, they deserve Definitely. it. Definitely, and voices that just aren't covered in, in, you know, if I go to a big event at a gay club, you know, you just probably won't read about it anywhere else. Yeah. Or, um, you know, some of the, the trials and tribulations that I face in my industry, you know, being a BAME woman, and I've, I've talked openly about that, the loss of my friend Craig, I find I that quite therapeutic to talk about that because yeah. there's someone sitting at the paper going... I lost my friend or my husband or yeah you know so it's um it's a really good way of talking to people and we've got really good um readership in Scotland of people that still go and buy their Sunday papers oh. and we need to hang on to that and protect it absolutely because it's valuable and the magazine as well because that is something that people keep yeah do you know they keep, they'll keep that certainly for the whole week so yeah. it's it's getting far more probably readership than the paper you know people read the paper but then yeah. the magazine's there all week so anyone coming into that house. I know myself, if I go in, like my mum and dad get it religiously and I always just go in and read it yeah. from back to front yeah, and then my brother goes in, do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, it. it's got a big readership because the amount of people in a, excuse me, in a household that would read it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really proud of my column. Oh no, well we love it, we love it anyway and thank you so much for all the, the coverage that you've given. I will continue to cover oh, Glasgow Girl Club. What you like, what you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, thank you so much for, for being you. on the podcast. It's been so good chatting to yeah, you. Yeah, it's and just like the out. chats we normally have. Yeah. So, yeah. We could have been recording before we actually <laughs> recorded. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we wouldn't want everybody to see no, you. There's a few, few confidations. I'm not, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I we'll, we'll, we'll have you on again. We'll, we'll talk to you about your next big massive project I'll be back when you're back at the jungle we'll have a chat yes that's definitely <laughs> right thanks Jean bye